All right, Russ, how are you doing, sir? Good, good. We covered a lot of ground the last few months with communicating with each other. Yeah, so I'll uh, let everybody know how we made initial contact, I think, and uh, maybe then you can tell everyone about your, your background. And uh, I mean, the reason I'm doing this podcast, this is, this is the first podcast I've ever done, like myself, you know, I've been on numerous podcasts, but I've never um, felt the need to do one uh, myself. I may do more in the future, but I thought it was quite pressing um, after I spoke to you and what is going on in bodybuilding now. I mean, it's been going on for a long time with the deaths, with the athletes, uh, with, with heart problems and heart attacks, but now it seems to be more intense. And of course, recently there was a, a Mr. Olympia that passed away. There was a competitor in the hotel that was getting ready to compete that passed away. There's females now that uh, are, are passing away, which, which didn't happen in the past, probably because they've been using anabolics for a long, longer period of time now. I mean, you're the expert. But anyway, Russ, I, I contacted you because I had a uh, health problem myself. I came across your, um, your, your information, your videos on the internet, which I found very uh, fascinating information that I quite, hadn't quite accessed before. So I had a problem with uh, a thrombosis, as you know, and that's why I contacted you and to discuss, you know, TRT and all the possibilities of what could have caused that and um, uh, you had great knowledge that I think uh, would be great to get out there now I've got an audience so that's why we're doing this get this information out there and uh, let people know what's going on and um, give them some possible uh, solutions and so on so anyway Russ you want to fire away and let everybody know who you are and you're in your background and so on yeah um the information that we're going to cover today isn't covered by the cardiology community. So Dorian, I really believe that the information we're going to share today, whether it's blood work, whether it's teaching about really what's causing the heart attack and bodybuilders, I think we're going to be able to save a few more lives. So, you know, that, that being said, we're in the middle of a paradigm shift in the treatment of heart disease. And, um, my, my research started in 1975. I worked my first heart attack victim uh, in an emergency room when I was working in high school. I became a paramedic, worked on hundreds of uh, cardiac arrests and heart attack calls. And then obviously my passion of understanding the heart and performance led me down this road till uh, I started interviewing cardiologists. I traveled to the best research labs. And um, I was a triathlete myself, Dorian. I started seeing triathletes having heart attacks in 1996. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, what, how could these super fit people be having heart attacks? And um, that led me into the bodybuilder market when I worked into and I worked for an uh, imaging center. We started looking at the heart of uh, endurance athletes and bodybuilders. And I started to see things before everyone else. I tried to alert the cardiovascular, the, cardi the cardiac community. And, um, you know, they're just, they still think fat causes heart attacks. 30,000 cardiologists in this country still think that uh, fat is the cause of heart disease. And, and that's not true. Everybody is biochemically unique. And as you and I discussed, we've got to figure out what is causing endothelial dysfunction. The endothelial lining is a lining that lines the arteries in the heart. Why is that becoming damaged? And that's sort of what you and I are talking about today that nobody else is really talking about. They're not even doing the correct blood work. So I, I think that's a good jumping off point. Okay, so um, <clears throat> obviously we're, we're, we're talking about bodybuilding, strength sports and so on, anabolics, growth hormone, and probably more recently, insulin has been used as well to uh, to build the muscle i mean i'm you know former mr olympia and i've i've used all that i've used anabolics i used insulin uh for a short period of time the last couple of uh years of my career my, my honest opinion i tell people I, I don't think it was beneficial for me anyway but uh just laying the cards on the table there and actually i was part of um a small study which you can find on the internet um it was a small study with bodybuilders. I think we did it back in 
2000, something like that, in Orange County out in California. Uh, there was a study there with uh, top pro bodybuilders and some athletes from other sports uh, using calcium scoring, uh, which is a diagnostic test, which I'm sure you're familiar with, and maybe you can let the viewers know more about that. Um, but myself and some of the other uh, athletes had a you know unusually high score uh, calcium score. That's you know uh, calcium's in in the arteries and so on. So that's something that's going on. Um, so what exactly is happening with the bodybuilders? Is it, is it just the steroids? Is it insulin? Is it the diet? Is it a combination of those things? And of course, endurance athletes, I don't know, they may be using some performance enhancing uh, stuff, but certainly not on the level that bodybuilders are doing. So I'm assuming it's something to do with the amount of exercise as well that's perhaps involved here. So you want to give us a breakdown, Russ, of what you're, what you're seeing and what's really causing this? Yeah, like I said, uh, Dorian, that, you know, that's a, that's a great lead in. I've been studying heart disease for 30 years. I've been to the best research labs uh, in the country. I traveled to Afrotech. That was one of the first laboratories that does the lipid fractionalization testing, looking at the true indicators of what's really blocking the arteries. So again, when it, you're a great example of the dialogue that we've had in the last three months. Every bodybuilder out there is biochemically unique, but there are some sweeping generalizations on why the endothelial lining is becoming blocked. Now the calcium score is hard plaque. That's more of a stable plaque. What I worry about is the soft plaque. A blister may form in the coronary arteries and that blister is filled with white blood cells, red blood cells. When they actually in autopsies cut in to the, to the plaque, the soft plaque in the coronary arteries, this is hard to believe, there's no cholesterol in there, very little. It's white blood cells, red blood cells and fibrinogen. So the blood work that I'm designing right now will hopefully alert bodybuilders to look at different metabolic markers to protect themselves. And then we wanna come out with, um, special supplementation that will keep the arteries dilated during and after their training. I did, this, I did the same thing for endurance athletes. I've worked with stint patients that had stints bypass patients to keep their arteries open and uh, heart transplant patients over the last 20 years. So um, the, the problem everybody makes, including the cardiology community, is they're looking for one serial killer, Dorian. There isn't one. We have to look at systems, sort of like what I did with you. We looked at multiple systems. We looked at genetic testing for you. We looked at uh, your current lab work. I had to meet you where you were and sort of, I'm sort of dropped into the second act of a third act play. So by you explaining to me, which took some time, I was able to pull some puzzle pieces together for you. That's sort of what we have to do with the other bodybuilders. Because um, again, everybody's biochemically unique and that heart become the, the arteries become blocked, not only in the heart, but in the brain and in the kidneys for a variety of reasons. And that's what we have to drill down on. Okay, so let, let's explore these reasons, Ross. Uh, um, I'm assuming anabolic steroids contribute in this in some way. Uh, is it inflammation of the endothelial lining? What? What, what's going on with the with the high yeah, hormone I mean, levels? Yeah, I know that's great. Yes, and there were, there was a Time magazine article about ten years ago that talked about the heart and inflammation. So that's exactly right. Just just consuming uh, six meals a day, a high amount of calories, and elevating your blood glucose and insulin that could kick in the inflammatory markers. Okay, just just that alone, and that that creates a pro-inflammatory response. And it actually wears down. There's a protective covering um, uh, that covers the endothelial lining. That's called uh, uh, the glycocalyx. I don't want to confuse anybody, but there's a protective covering that covers the lining of the arteries on the artery wall. Now, the endothelial lining is pretty amazing because when it breaks down, it actually heals itself with new with new endothelial cells. So. There's something called shear stress. 
Every time the heart beats, the blood that flies down the coronary arteries can shear off little pieces of the endothelial lining. And then naturally the heart will, uh, the, the metabolism will release a cholesterol molecule called lipoprotein A, and that's a repair protein. So um, I guess what we're seeing then is inflammation of the endothelial uh, lining, which is the lining of the artery. Um, so what's in the mix, Ross, with the diet, with the steroids, with the extra insulin, the growth hormone, everything that bodybuilders are doing, what, what is the cause or is there multiple causes here? What's going on with the lining uh, of the artery? Uh, that's a yeah that and, and that's and, and that's the devil's in the details like I said we have to look at multiple systems in order to find multiple serial killers that are damage aligning of the artery it can be inflammation it could be high insulin it could be using IGF-1 or growth hormone that's why the blood work is very important I wish I could say there was one reason for every bodybuilder that had a heart attack but it's very different just like in your case with the deep vein thrombosis we had to drill down just a little bit, but there are some sweeping generalizations like okay. you just discussed. It's inflammation, it's high insulin. It's actually, if you're on, a, if you're on an estrogen blocker or aromatase inhibitor and you cause an imbalance in testosterone to the estrogen ratio, then that's gonna stop nitric oxide from being released to keep your arteries dilated. So what we're talking about here is gonna be a big shift in the bodybuilding community um, I, I see in the future continuous glucose monitoring. I see more use of the ketogenic diet. Um, we're actually, Tony and my team, we put together the best minds in the U.S. to develop new treatment protocols, not only for the bodybuilders, uh, but for the endurance athletes, my two groups that I spent so much time studying um, to protect the endothelial lining. Um, it seems like a lot of the bodybuilders I work with, and I love these guys because they helped me develop a program for NASA on muscle wasting because there wasn't any research out there. And most of the bodybuilders are the canaries in the tunnel and they do amazing work and they share a lot of information with me. So, so, so that being said, they also get into trouble. And um, if you think about the endothelial lining, there's a lot, let me take, let me jump over to another area here. Uh, when a cocaine addict, has his nose bleeds from using too much cocaine, that's damage to the endothelial lining in the nose. Right. Cocaine, cocaine addicts also have a lot of blockages in their arteries. Now the same thing happens with vitamin C deficiency. Vitamin C deficiency causes endothelial dysfunction. That's why people get cracks in the side of their lips because the endothelial lining is damaged. So part of the treatment protocol for some may be increased vitamin C um, maybe looking at the anabolics that they're taking uh, injection-wise and orally, see what that's doing to the hemoglobin and hematocrit. Because believe it or not, the thicker the blood is, hypercoagulability can actually damage the endothelial lining and cause blockages. So the, the hemoglobin and hematocrit, the fibrinogen, these are all part of things we need to look at, uh, uh, Dorian, to prevent heart attacks in the bodybuilder, in the bodybuilding community. Okay, so uh, a high-carb diet, which is constantly spiking blood sugar and raising the insulin, that's, that's an issue and not ideal, I guess. But there's a lot of natural bodybuilders out there that eat like that, and they don't seem to be having the heart problems that the guys using anabolics uh, are getting. So I'm guessing it's a combination of all these factors, like a perfect storm. Right. Yeah, and remember, the heart gets blocked or people could have a heart attack. People could have an electrolyte imbalance. I used to see this back when I worked in the emergency room before I was director of research for a large pharmacy. People can have an arterial spasm, have chest pain, have a heart attack, and then go into the emergency room that already opens back up and they can't find out what happened. So a lot of times an electrolyte imbalance and dehydration can cause the coronary arteries to spasm. A lot of people don't think about that. Now, this could be from taking steroids. It can also be a mechanical. You know, the heartbeat starts beating um, in vitro. You know, a fetus heartbeat starts in three weeks at a rate of 100 to 160. That heart can keep beating for 70 years. Sometimes, I, I drew a little graphic right here. 
sometimes it's just where the coronary arteries are located or a blockage could form just from normal pumping. Okay. So and, again, uh, we want, what's that? And, and we got athletes when, when we're training, I mean, imagine the force of the blood pumping around when you're doing, I don't know, a heavy deadlift or squat and stuff like that. Exactly. So, so you've got a lining of the artery that's a little inflamed or fragile, and then you've got this force going on top of it. Because I'm wondering what's the connection between endurance athletes and bodybuilders, because I'm assuming endurance athletes don't use steroids and insulin and so on. I mean, they might use a small amount, I suppose, but not on the scale that bodybuilders use. So why do we see deaths in the endurance community as well as the bodybuilding community? Well, the endurance community does something about it. They're in a, you know, I raced as a triathlete for 20 years thinking I was protecting my heart and all I did was damage my heart. And then I started seeing my friends and training partners, you know, in the early nineties, I was racing all over the country, really long distance events. And I, and I, the community I was with, I thought was healthy, but we were really doing a lot of damage. So think about what goes on in the endurance athlete. He's got to eat a high carb diet. He's elevating his blood sugar, he's elevating insulin. He's doing high mileage training. He's in a constant state of inflammation. Most of the endurance athletes I tested have a testosterone level of 100 or lower. They have an imbalance in their coronary arteries. They damage their endothelial lining. I used to race on the track and do interval training and get my heart rate up to 200. That, that you know, if I could do anything in my life, I would have never did that training because I'm paying for it today and I see athletes paying for it today. So they eat about the same amount of calories and keep their blood sugar elevated um, like, like a bodybuilder does. The bodybuilder is maintaining muscle mass and during an endurance athlete is maintaining mileage. Yeah. So uh, I got something that I've really been thinking about and exploring um, over the last couple of years. And of course, I don't know if you know, but my training was always very brief. And uh, the cardio I do now is very brief interval training. It's not long. So with exercise, we all know, all know the benefits of exercise, but also there's another side to the coin with the, the free radical production that you get from exercise that could be potentially aging your cells. So where, where is the balance is my question of you're getting the benefit from the exercise, extra strength and uh, endurance and things like this and uh, so on. Where, where does it, you know, where does the benefits end and it kind of crosses over to being damaging and you're doing too much? Right. I think, again, I, th that's a great question. And uh, believe it or not, all this training for endurance athletes or bodybuilders, we lower our antioxidant level. Now, let me get a little technical here for a minute. We have three antioxidant pathways in our body. It's called glutathione, superoxide, dyspunase, and catalase. That's our antioxidant, natural antioxidant system, all right? That's supported by external antioxidants called ACE and selenium and glutathione. If you think about this for a second, when you cut an apple in half and that apple gets brown, one side of the apple, that's oxidation. That's what happens to the coronary arteries and endothelial lining. If you take the other half of that apple and you spray it with lemon juice, it doesn't get brown because the antioxidants and the vitamin C. So our brain, our heart, our kidneys are the most metabolically active tissue in the body. That's where most of the damage comes from in the bodybuilders and in the endurance market. And you're right, high amount of antioxidants. Now, if you can remember this, it's called 8-hydroxy-2. We could measure yeah, antioxidants. Huh? Number eight, eight okay. hydroxy two, and I'll I'll email you this. There's something called eight hydroxy two deoxyguanosine. It's a big word, but it basically tells you your antioxidant level on whether you need antioxidants. For some of my clients and from our pharmacy and our doctors, we ship out, you know, injectable glutathione to bring down their uh, oxidation markers. You know, because some people, Dorian, as you know, you were blessed to be a great bodybuilder. Other people are not blessed and they got a really poor antioxidant system and they need help. So again, this gets back to everyone is biochemically unique and um, 
I don't want to be like the cardiology community and tell you, Dorian, like, hey, it's just fat that causes heart attacks because it's not. We are all biochemically unique and really understanding where that person is, how long they've been training. Um, with you doing the short amount of cardio, you're, you're building collateral circulation around your heart, extra veins, extra arteries. That's all you need. You, you, don't, you don't need to run a 10K. You don't need to run or train high, just short intervals. I mean, look at evolutionary biology that studied the cultures, the Inuit Indians, the Maasai tribe. These people live well into their 80s and all they do is persistent hunting. They do a lot of walking. Yeah. They eat a ketogenic diet. Actually, uh, interesting. I was in uh, Kenya and I spent a little time with the uh, Maasai guide out there and went to his village and the tribe and everything. And they they kind of semi-nomadic. And they live off the, the animals. They live off the cows and the goats they've got. And their diet is uh, meat from the cow, blood from the cow, which they drink. They put a little tap in the neck and drink it, uh, and milk. And the guy was laughing. He said, you know, green things, we don't know what they are. We don't, we don't eat any green things. But I guess the cows and the milk and the blood from that cow is highly nutritious because they're wandering and grazing as they would do naturally, you know? Right. And it gets back to, like you said, Dorian, one of the things that we're talking about here is not being discussed in the bodybuilding community. And we want to not only give these guys information on more lab work, but on what they could do. And um, look at all the different diets that are out there. There's been 76,000 diets since the early 1900s. And um, people are going carnivore, keto, high carb, low carb, pescatarian. You know, a lot of times diets got to be customized to the individual. Like somebody with autoimmune disease may, may, may really benefit from, you know, the carnivore diet because they're, they're, uh, every plant out there has a natural insecticide in it to keep the plant alive and away from bugs. Well, some people may be allergic to the insecticide that naturally occurs in broccoli and, yeah. and it causes their autoimmune system to go through the roof. So again, you know, we've got to really drill down on, on what the individual needs. Now you with the DVT, we had to really drill down on, on what it was, what, what medication were you taking, um, what was causing hypercoagulability, um, what were you doing three weeks before the DVT, what are your doctors currently doing? You know, like I said, we had to pull the puzzle pieces together yeah. and you can't do that with the, you know, I try to get a lot of cardiologists to incorporate this program I developed, but they keep telling me, Russ, I love what you're doing, right? And, and they say, I don't have time. I got to see 30 people a day. And that's sort of what breaks my heart. So in the last three years, I've been educating the public on how to build a therapeutic relationship with their doctors and ask the tough questions. Okay, so this um, 8-hydroxy-2, I mean, I've never heard of that. Is that a test that you can that you can order? I mean, I'll have to um, maybe get the full yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll email it to you. Yeah, one of the labs... One of the nutritional testing laboratories I've been with since 1996, I do a lot of consulting. And as you know, the, the traditional medical community, diabetes, heart disease, cancer, and dementia are really from inflammation, elevated blood sugar, and elevated insulin. They're all one disease. So when you're talking about longevity and you can really keep a tight blood, blood sugar control, you know, I help people with performance. I've got guys that want to run a marathon, but I teach them to do it safely. Some guy in his 50s wants to run a marathon. The same thing, if you want to put on a lot of muscle mass, I got to say, you know, it's, it's, it's not real healthy, so, so protect yourself. You know, your heart, your heart beats 100,000 times a day, and a lot of the bodybuilders that I work with that are doing anabolics, great. I want them to be safe, but they don't think about their heart beating 100,000 times a day, and the testosterone receptors on their heart, what they could be doing to, a, to ejection fraction. Some of the bodybuilders have a very low ejection fraction. Your heart, when it beats, is equal to lifting 70 pounds off the ground one foot. Some of the bodybuilders, it's only beating maybe 30. You know, mm -hmm. so they got to they got to get a test at the beginning of their season and measure the ejection fraction, uh, you know, of their heart to protect themselves. I think uh, a lot of the problem is, Ross, that many times people don't want to know. The athletes don't want to know. They want to do what they're doing. They want to focus on their competition, focus on what they're doing. And uh, in my experience, it's kind of a little bit like putting your head in the sand. I mean, when I was competing in the 80s and the 90s, 
I don't have access to any kind of sophisticated information. Uh, I just had basic blood tests, the blood pressure, kidney, liver function, and cholesterol and things like that. Uh, now we, we know much more and there's much more uh, help and, and, and knowledge out there. But a lot of times guys just don't want to know. I mean, I don't want to pick on any, any names particularly, but I got my team, I said, have a look how many top pros have died in the last uh, 10, 15 years. And the list is over 50 people that we know about, just, you know, high level competitors, let alone guys that don't compete or, they, you know, they compete in Mr. Local Contest or whatever it is. So there's a lot of, pe a lot of people out there uh, suffering. And uh, so, so what are the basic, uh, is there any precautions? There's certain tests that we should be looking at uh, and, you know, kind of warning signals so you can do something before it's, it's too late. Yeah, I think some of the, you know, we're, we're putting together blood work right now, the bodybuilders and endurance athletes around the world that I consult with. I make sure they get a good doctor that, that'll work with them. And, um, you know, I explain to them the lab work, you know, that they're going to need. I think you're, you're very spot on because, again, I don't judge anybody. Like I said, I've worked with everybody from heroin addicts to bodybuilders to professional athletes to celebrities. I never judge anybody. But... There's a form of groupthink that goes on when you're hanging out with the community and it's all about size and putting on masks and, you know, that, you know, that's all great, but you got to do the blood work. You got to take care of yourself. You got to cycle on and cycle off that stuff. You got to do your cardio to build that collateral circulation. And, um, you know, you really got to look at what's going on out there, but I agree with you. There's a lot of people. So, so what are we looking at, Russ Marcus, that, you know, would be, what are the crucial markers to look at in, in your blood tests that you should be looking for? Uh, I would look at uh, testosterone, estrogen, and progesterone ratio. Obviously, okay. insulin, uh, growth hormone. Uh, we want to look at all the inflammatory markers, fibrinogen, um, uh, fasting insulin. We want to look at blood glucose. Uh, hemoglobin A1C is a good one. How much glucose is hitting your hemoglobin uh, red blood A1C, cell? That's... Um, your average blood sugar level over the past three months, right? Yeah, exactly. That, and that's a great one. In David Sinclair's new book, Dorian, they said, if you really want to extend life, um, you will really focus on having a tight blood sugar control. So my, my team, we're, we're in partnership with companies right now. We don't have anything signed, but we want to look at continuous glucose monitoring where people could wear a patch on their arm and we could look at their glucose over 24, 48 hours. And I think that will help with that head in the sand thing. You know, okay. I think we'll, we'll help get information back so they could change their behavior. So long-term blood sugar, what about um, inflammatory markers like homocysteine and uh, C-reactive protein? Are they relevant? And yeah. Important? Yeah, you're very informed. And that's, those are the other two. Children that have high homocysteine levels they uh, need a bypass by the time they're in their 20s. It's called hyperhomocysteineuria. It's a it's a SNP. It's a it's a genetic uh, single nucleotide polymorphism where these kids overproduce homocysteine and it damages the endothelial lining where they need a bypass. So yes, C-reactive protein. You're spot on, Dorian. Uh, homocysteine levels critical. Fibrinogen levels and also hemoglobin and hematocrit. How thick is your blood? Yeah. Because like I said, every time your heart beats, it's equal to lifting 70 pounds off the ground one foot. If you're doing a, a six, seven, 800 pound squat, that blood flying off the, the aorta is going to shear little pieces of the, of the endothelial lining off. And then getting back to what I said earlier, getting the lipid testing, getting the little hard marble called cholesterol particle size testing will help with that. Now, the reason a lot of cardiologists don't do lipid particle size because if it's elevated, they don't know what to do. So, but you know, but we do, it's a combination of nutrition and certain TRT protocols. Okay, so overall cholesterol, uh, you know, I'm getting the feeling that's not really that relevant. Um, HDL, is that important? HDL-LDL ratio? That actually, really, it doesn't really tell us much. Okay. If, if, we do, if we do the lipid particle testing, if any bodybuilder today, and I love you guys, if you go into your doctor's office and ask about lipid particle testing, 
He's going to say, well, what do you want that for? Just ask him, have him run it through insurance. When you get the results back, I, I could send the information to Dorian on what you guys can do. You got to get the lipid particle testing because the, the lipoprotein A, LP little a, is what protects and it's a repair, it's a repair protein for the endothelial lining. Okay. So, I mean, bodybuilding has changed and, uh, you know, maybe I'm one of the people that's guilty in pushing it this way with, a, with an extra muscle mass and everything, but there's a lot of tools, let's say that have been used in the last uh, 20, 30 years that weren't used before. I'm thinking insulin has become like really prevalent. Most competitors, I guess, use it now. And I'm not really uh, in touch with what everyone's using, but I guess uh, I get the feeling that most people are using insulin, extra insulin, let alone the insulin that your body's producing anyway for the, for the carbohydrates. And um, the anti-estrogen, which I suspect I was on TRT and my estrogen was a little bit higher than the normal range. And I got what I consider to be bad advice now off a doctor. He told me to take- Yeah, um, yeah. The, the, you know, the body, as you know, Dorian, the body is amazing at recovery. Imagine the endothelial lining, the lining of your artery. It's like, it's like you got a painted wall in your house and you painted it white and you just took a rake and you scraped that painted wall. Well, the endothelial lining has the ability to not only heal itself, but rebuild that lining. And, and that's what we want to think about. We don't want to think about the arteries being clogged like a pipe. We want to think of soft and hard plaque, calcification and soft plaque rupture. All right. It could be mechanical. It could be hormone induced. It could be nutritionally induced, or as you said, it could be antioxidant induced. So again, it's a little, it's a little different for everybody, but what I want to explain here today is there are things that we could do that, that, that I could work with you through you to get this information into people's hands. And one of them that we discussed was the, the lipid particle testing. Uh, the laboratory I went to uh, was called Athrotech and they did the VAP test, the vertical auto profile that may be available in Europe. I'm not sure. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll look into that. Yeah. Cause in, in my personal case, I'm quite, uh, a bit uh, OCD on having my health checks and everything. So I get my bloods like for quite a few years, every three months, so I can see everything. Um, and all my markers were really good uh, before I had my DVT, apart from the fact that I lowered my estrogen. It's the only you know, very factor that changed really. And shortly after that, I had the problem. So uh, a lot of guys wanted to keep the estrogen down because, you know, estrogen um if it's high it's harder to get lean and uh, and so on so i think that's something we need to consider as well yeah i think the estrogen the estrogen progesterone and testosterone ratio maintains the endothelial lining so many guys think when their estrogen goes up they need to bring it down and that actually could be blocking their arteries by using an estrogen blocker or aromatase inhibitor again i'm not judging anybody i just want to you know I was a paramedic for 20 years. A lot of people died in my arms. And um, I used to take people into nursing homes. And to me, it used to be about performance in my 20s and 30s. Now it's more about longevity. So I'm not the food Nazi. I don't, I'm not telling every, anybody what to do. But the heart disease treatment is changing in real time. And it's not going to come from traditional medicine. It's going to come from guys like us and very innovative thinkers that are going to they're going to catch and, and, and turn around this number one killer worldwide is heart disease. And what we're talking about right now is not even being discussed with the 30,000 cardiologists in the, in the U.S. And that's to me, is just sad. So what we're seeing in heart disease really then is uh, there's some damage to the lining of the artery. And then the body is trying to fix it with, uh, with, with cholesterol and white blood cells and kind of trying to put a plaster on that wall that's been scraped, right? Trying to smooth it out and that's building up and that may break off and then float around and cause a blockage somewhere. Is that- Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know why that's so hard for the cardio. You know, when I, you know, test, one of the great things about testosterone is it causes the arteries to 
uh, release the endothelial line to release nitric oxide. Now we're working on some nitric oxide supplementation right now with a few companies to keep the veins and artery, to keep the arteries dilated. You know, if you really want to see what happens when a diabetic has problems with the arteries in his eyes, there's never any way an artery in your eye could get blocked. They basically expand and then they rupture. And that's all because of high blood glucose and endothelial damage. So all around us, we have examples of endothelial damage that bodybuilders can apply to their life. You know, we talked about cocaine, people blocking their arteries and damaging the arteries in their nose. Here's another one, Dorian, sickle cell. Sickle cell patients, those sickle cells damage the endothelial lining. This is why sickle cell patients have heart attacks at a very young age because those sickle type cells, the way they're formed, damage the endothelial lining. So again, Dorian, I think one of the innovative things that we do is you and I don't say we know it all, but we're open to looking at areas that don't talk to each other. For, for instance, what are the diseases that currently cause endothelial dysfunction? And what could we pull back and learn from those diseases to help the bodybuilders have a safe uh, journey? You know, I used to take people into nursing homes and that scared the hell out of me. I never wanted to live that way, you know? So um, the certain blood tests that uh, people should really be keeping an eye on so they can see the problem before it goes too far, hopefully, and, and do something about it, change something. Um, yes, exactly. The, a lot of times uh, the blood test that you're getting only spots pathology and disease in very late stages because the body is a self-correcting mechanism. What we wanna be able to measure is nutrient dependent metabolic functions. Like one of the urine tests I, I, I get from my lab that I partnered with in 96, we look at nutrient dependent metabolic functions. We look at, like I told you, the 8-hydroxy-2. We look at the mitochondria. The mitochondria function is becoming real important. Um, we look at the microbiome. How, how is the intestinal tract of a bodybuilder affecting his coronary arteries. These are gonna be really, really hot topics. Okay, great. I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, for more and more information to come out because we wanna try and help people um, with this. Is there any, are there any supplements like, um, for instance, uh, N-acetylcysteine? I take that to, to raise natural glutathione levels. Is that useful? Fish oils, vitamin C, you know, the. Are there things like that that people are they beneficial for people to take? Yeah, I think, like I said, again, I, I hate to keep saying this, it, it could be beneficial. Um, a lot of times people take so many vitamins and minerals, they actually cause imbalances. And Dorian, you'll, you'll understand this, the future of supplementation is gonna come from real food. Synthetic vitamins and minerals don't have the cofactors real food has. Yeah. So people right now understand that organ meat, the brain, the pancreas, uh, the liver of certain animals have more nutrients than actually the muscle. So we're going to see a lot of people moving towards the functional food market to get the nutrients that they need. And this is this is, again, it's going to be something, you know, that, you know, that's trending. Uh, yeah. My pharmacy and my doctors, we, we use a lot of injectable nutrients. We use glutathione uh, injections, IVs. Um, the vitamins and the vitamins that, that help the mitochondrial function, the CoQ10, the L-carnitine, the B-complex, th those are very important, you know, um, on a cellular level to, to increase stem cell, you know. There, there, there's something called endothelial progenitor cells. You could grow new endothelial lining with the right nutrition. So again, getting back to what we said earlier, the higher your blood sugar is, the more damage you're doing to the endothelial lining. Okay, just wanted to go over that again. So uh, coenzyme Q10, that, that's useful, yeah? Uh, good B yeah. complex. What about omega-3 uh, fish oils and things like that? Is that something you would recommend? Yeah, I would, um, like I said, we, at our laboratory, we do an essential fatty acid analysis yeah. to measure omega-3, 6, and 9 in the body. I don't want to get too complicated, but the omega-3s are known to help the arteries stay flexible. So just once we get past our 40s, 50s, and 60s in that age, our blood and our arteries naturally become stiffer. 
So anything we could do, I did a video on the 100,000 miles of veins and arteries. I did a, uh, my team and I did a show for, that was gonna air on Netflix on transplantation. How do we protect the new organ inside the body? Well, it's the same thing, Dorian. We look at endothelial function. How do we get oxygen and nutrients to that new organ? It's the same stuff we're talking about. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm just trying to like help people uh, prevent this from happening. So keeping an eye on your blood work, the, the parameters that we've mentioned, uh, supplementation, um, I think insulin and uh, anti-estrins was, I mean, it's not that new, but it wasn't really being used back in the 70s and early 80s and so on. Insulin has been used since probably mid-90s was, you know, when I became aware of it. Um, it's been used more and more. So what you're saying is a high-carb diet and it, on, it, on its own uh, can be damaging. So, I mean, if people are using extra insulin on top of that, that's I'm sure that's... That's even worse, right? Yeah, insulin, like a lot of my diabetic now, I grew up in the same town. I was a paramedic in. I grew up in the same town I went to graduate school in. I've got my friend's own imaging centers. I know a lot of doctors. And one of the sweeping generalizations is this. If you're a diabetic and you're injecting insulin, you will, get a, you will need a bypass in a couple of years. So yeah. insulin definitely blocks the coronary arteries, whether it's due to inflammation or, or mechanical problems that I showed you with shear stress. You know, so the, the, you know, the idea is, I always get accused, my guys say, I always try to feed people with a fire hose, but I really wanna break it down. So, you know, by sharing the blood work, Dorian, by sharing some of the sweeping generalizations that some people in the bodybuilding community can at least think about, like the estrogen blockers and the aromatase inhibitors, when you cause an imbalance, in estrogen to testosterone, and you're worried about putting on mass, that imbalance can start to block your arteries pretty quickly. And, and that's some of the things we could be aware of. And again, if you wanna, if you wanna keep your head in the sand, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I just, like I say, I try to educate people. up to the individual, man. We're just trying to get the information out there and it will help whoever it helps. And uh, if we just help one person, I'm happy that we'd, we're having this conversation now. Oh, yeah. Um, I had another question for you, Russ, that's been on my mind. So as you get older, I mean, you know, you can, you know, you can go for a night out and drink a bottle of vodka when you're 20 years old and next day you'll be okay. When you get older, it's a, it's a, it's a week, you know? So <laughs> um, I'm just, what I was wondering, high body weight, whether as you get older, high body weight, is that detrimental, even if it is muscle mass? I mean, you know, if you're 55, 60 years old and you're weighing 260 and you're very muscular and lean, or you're 260 and you're carrying body fat, I mean, is it the same stress on your organs or, or is it, you know, if you're muscular, is that healthy to carry that amount of weight at that age? I think, I think we're going to see that carrying extra muscle. I mean, you guys are gonna kill me for this, but I, I believe carrying extra muscle is gonna be similar to carrying extra body fat because the veins and arteries and the calories that you need to, uh, to, you know, to maintain is gonna keep your blood sugar elevated. I think like when you were with that Maasai tribe and uh, you look about cultures around the world that are living almost to 90 years old, they're very lean. Okay, now I know this flies in the face of the bodybuilding community because they want to stay strong and they're all about getting big. All I'm saying to those guys is do the lab work that we're recommending and cycle off everything that you're taking. Take, take some downtime. Um, some of them that are taking oral drugs and antidepressants, you don't know what those medications do when they interact with each other. You know, you're actually a, a, you're a chemistry experiment by, by trying all these new medications. And then, like I said, I don't judge anybody, but some of them do cocaine. Some of my clients, you know, do take in excessive alcohol. I just try to keep a shield up for them. And, and the lab work, the normal lab work that a doctor uses really doesn't spot anything. Yeah, the, the, the reason I asked the question is because I went for a checkup about 
five years ago and my blood pressure was getting high. It was like 140, 90, 150, 90. And so it was getting high and it kind of, it bothered me. And uh, I did a lot of research, a lot of reading about plant-based diet and how that helped patients that had, you know, uh, arterial problems and stuff like that. So I followed a plant-based diet for about four years. Um, and what happened is, and I, and I, I didn't mind because I didn't care at that point about muscle mass. I just cared about my health and right. actually enjoyed losing weight. So basically what happened is because I was on a plant-based diet, it was low in protein and I kind of cannibalized muscle tissue, I guess. I went from 260 down to 230 over three or four years and I was already relatively lean anyway. So, you know, what's to burn, right? Muscle mass. So I lost muscle mass, but my blood pressure went down. I don't, I don't need any medication or anything. So that's why I asked that question. I was like, wow, I lost weight, but it was all muscle. But as I lost that weight, my blood pressure went down. So obviously that SS muscle mass, that weight was putting some kind of burden on my system that it, it wasn't happy with at that point. No, that's what I'm saying. Extra muscle is going to cause your metabolism to work overtime. So how do we protect that? Um, I've got bodybuilders that are losing weight with intermittent fasting and the ketogenic diet. Um, I've tested Indian people and uh, vegetarians. They're always deficient in amino acids. So you're right. Yeah. You are actually, you know, you're, you're, you're cannibalizing your own muscle tissue. Well, in the elderly, that's called sarcopenia. You know, muscle, muscle wasting in the elderly is going to be very important. So a lot of the stuff that you're talking about now is going to be important for the elderly to maintain muscle mass. But the extra muscle mass, I, I think you did, but by you decreasing your size, I think that saved your life. I really do. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I think it may have. And I have a lot of people now that are contacting me that, you know, we're competitive bodybuilders. They're getting older and they, they want to make this shift and they're, they're talking to me about that. And it's just things that I, you know, kind of stumbled across. I'm always very curious. I always wanted to, you know, that's, that's why I was successful in bodybuilding because I just absorbed information. And now I'm not, you know, I say to people, there's, you know, a, a sport is a sport. A competitive sport is a competitive sport. It's about winning. It's got nothing to do with health, whether it be bodybuilding or marathon running or triathletes or what it's about winning. It's not about right health. It's not about health. So don't get it confused, you know? And for me, I believe bodybuilding, competitive bodybuilding as it is now is really a young man's sport. I mean, I, I retired when I was 35, but I kind of continued with that lifestyle because I mean, I dropped the anabolics and I was on TRT, but I continued the lifestyle of high protein diet, eating five or six times a day and training with weights because that's what I knew. And I thought it was good for me, but uh, carrying that excess weight wasn't good for me. I, I found that out. So there may be a diet that's great for bodybuilding, for building muscle and a protocol that's good for building muscle, but is not necessarily one that's good for your health. It's, it's two different things. No, I understand. And I, I work with people. That's why I try to meet, I try to meet the bodybuilders where they are and really listen, you know, as a, as a high level interventionist, me and my team, I've got to listen to where they are. I mean, I used to do a hundred mile bike ride every Sunday because 20 other people were doing it with me. That's what I needed to do to maintain my race times. Well, that wasn't healthy for me. And it took me a while and, and I had to go have a couple of cardiac arrhythmias before I had my wake up call. So that's why I don't judge anybody. Yeah. Well, you know, everyone knows who I am. I'm six times Mr. Olympia and uh, pushed the boundaries of muscle mass and everything. So, you know, <laughs> I'm not judging anybody. I did it myself. I'm just trying to like see what's going on here and get the information out there and uh, help whoever we can help. That's, that's what it's all about. And I think today's discussion will be great for people to listen to and, um, Let's get the feedback and see if there's anything else that that we can explore that uh, that will help people. I think we covered a good bit of ground today, Ross. Yeah, I, I really, you know, for a for a guy, you know, we're we're older guys. You know, I'm 64. For you to change your behavior and to investigate what you're doing, man, there isn't a lot of people out there doing that. And and Dorian, I can tell you that whether it's the bodybuilding market or regular medicine. 
we have an opportunity here. I think our content that we're sharing right now is the new oil. Not only will we save lives, well, what you and I are talking about here will increase people's quality of life, man. And I mean, that's why I feel I was put on this earth, you know? Well, you know, it's uh, it's the mentality as well that you're dealing with competitive athletes. I don't know who, it, I think it was Robert Goldman. He did a survey with, uh, with top level bodybuilders and uh, uh, Olympic athletes and, and posed a question, which was if you would be whatever, you know, Mr. Olympia or gold medal winner or something, if I could give you a pill that would make you the gold medal winner, Mr. Olympia, whatever is pinnacle in your sport, but you're going to die when you're 45. Would you take that pill? And I think it was like 70, 80% of uh, people said, yes, I would take it. So, you know, that's probably the mentality I had when, you, when, I'm, when I was younger. But uh, when you're getting older, you get a different perspective on things. And uh, fortunately, uh, my health is, uh, is good and it's something I'm trying to look after and uh, help it, other people with theirs. Because, yeah, it's, it's about quality of life. It's to, you only got this one vehicle that, that you live in. You know, and if your vehicle's all messed up, not working properly, your quality of life is not uh, is not great. Yeah, exactly. And 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 traditional medicine around the world is still pushing one pill, one pill, one treatment protocol for everybody. And like I said earlier in our conversation, everybody is biochemically unique. We could educate people to ask the tough questions. Um, you and I could develop a resource. I mean, I started the Russ Scala YouTube channel. I got over 180 videos where people could just watch it. It's all free because people need it. You know, they need this information. Uh, great. So uh, what, what's your uh, YouTube channel, Russ, in case people want to go and your uh, the address of your um, clinic in, in Florida if they want to contact you? Yeah, I'm in Orlando, Florida, Winter Park, Florida. If you Google Scala, Scala Precision Health, you can see what we're doing. Um, I've got uh, the Russ Scali YouTube channel where I take a deeper dive. Uh, that's where my, my video is on why bodybuilders are having talk, heart attacks. I talk about endothelial dysfunction and what you could do if you have a high calcium score. That's all free to share, guys. So it's a Russ Scali YouTube channel, um, Scala Precision Health, and then my book, American Biohacker, is on Amazon. All right. Great, Russ. I think uh, we covered a lot of ground today. Uh, we're going to get this out there and uh, maybe we'll meet up again and uh, have some further discussions when we get feedback from everybody that's watching it. Anytime, Dorian, just reach out and I'll be there, brother. All right. Thanks a lot, Russ. Really appreciate your time. And uh, we'll chat again soon. Thanks a lot, man. Okay. You too. Good.